0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Words of Wellness, the podcast where we consider the ways people think, speak, and write about wellness. I'm Daniel Anderson, and we're coming to you from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Today, we're going to be talking about the self. I have four guests with me, and I will let them introduce themselves.
1: My name is Katie Moore. I'm a freshman here at UNC.
2: Uh, I'm Nicholas Lewis. I'm also a freshman at UNC. I'm a
0: freshman, too.
3: Uh, my name is Sam, and I'm also a freshman.
0: Well, welcome to the show. It's great to have everyone here. Um, the concept of the self, I think, is one of these really large terms. And uh, when we started to study this, each of you has a book that you were looking at. Was there anything that surprised you about the reading that you did in terms of the self and this large concept? What did you learn from from these books that you uh, explored?
1: Well, my book was all about like defense mechanisms um, that we use to the whole idea was that the reason our defense mechanisms exist is to avoid pain that comes from early childhood. It was all kind of an evolutionary based idea that basically who we are today stems from how we were treated when we were babies and we were our most vulnerable. And the defense mechanisms that we use today are the areas in which Our parents maybe fell short or they gave too much support in one area and how that translates into your later life. And something that I found interesting is in the first part of the book, he kind of sets it up where he gives six different groups and he describes each group. And you're supposed as the reader, you're supposed to pick one or two that you most identify with and then you carry that with you through the rest of the book. And as he goes through different defense mechanisms like denial or repression or projection, he'll give examples based on each group of how they're most likely to respond to uncomfortable or difficult situations. And I actually was – I felt a little called out at times because <laughs> I identified with a couple of groups and then I'd read about a defense mechanism and my group would come up and I'd be like, that's actually really interesting because I actually do that. So it was really easy to engage with the book. I really enjoyed it.
0: Those groups, do you remember, recall what a couple of them were?
1: Some of them were, if you have a tendency to have like really low self-esteem, some of them were, I guess mine was I tend to be really calm in like every situation. I don't get too worked up when things go wrong, but that's actually, turns out, a defense mechanism. And I read about that and I was like, Oh, no, like I didn't realize that was something I was doing that was harmful, potentially. They didn't really identify the groups. They were just listed one through six, but then they were mentioned as he went through different defense mechanisms.
0: So That's interesting. It was. What else jumped out at people?
2: I would say my book, even though it was in the self category, was definitely read more like a coaching book because like she kind of gave like a... Like a formulaic, like step-by-step process to like how to feel better. It's definitely like prescribed to people that were feeling unhappy in their lives, and it was talking about how you need to be honest and take and take accountability for like your actions and focus on like what you. It was really focused on like what like your desires are in life. What you yearn for is like a term they use a lot. Like if it's like relationships or like a successful career and things like that, and how to like focus on those things and then weed out things that are harmful to like that specific goal. I do think it's talked about is the book is titled way of integrity. It's so like living with integrity and doing things like doing things purposefully.
0: Yeah. So I already am hearing two different aspects of this self or that I notice in these books. One has to do with correction and Katie, that sort of feels like what you were saying. These defense mechanisms, let's look at things that we can fix mm-hmm. in some ways. And Nicholas, it sounds like yours on this coaching dynamic is more of the success positive let's look how you can achieve what you want to achieve yeah yeah so this dynamic of downsides mm-hmm. as a focus of wellness versus happiness thriving upsides seems to play out in these books already i hear two of those back and forth yeah
4: so my book uh it's called resilience um so it's quite a bit different because uh, those do not have like a step-by-step process or like you know whole process in the 200 pages or whatever it was but this book started saying, hey, I'm going to give you the name of the 12 chapters. And just the one that you feel is more appealing to you, you can just read first, then read the other ones, then just not read the other ones at all. So it's more like an encyclopedia or dictionary that you don't quite read, at least, like page by page. But just consult and look it up in the middle. And I found that really interesting. And so what he did was basically a breakup of four core qualities and then break it down with three, so like four times three, drill. Safety, um, connection, safety, satisfaction, and connection. Right? So, like, what it is basically for recognizing. So, how to ensure that you're safe from dangers, satisfaction. So, how to be aware of your recognition of that and be happy with that. And then, connection, be able to, like, interact with other people and show them that you are. N- not show them wrong things uh, that are going on in your head. And I thought that was like pretty interesting, uh, like a pretty exhaustive breakdown. Yeah, I don't remember other like specific quotes because you had like very small tips rather right, than a big picture idea of how to be more resilient. And I don't remember one that was so when you recover from a set- setback, it's not only important to recover your position, it's also to recover your momentum, right? If you're like physics oriented. So, like, basically, how many people recover their position, but then they are not feeling well enough to work towards their goals again. So yeah, you have recovered, but there's still something else that you have to do and gain that back that momentum to continue thriving for your success.
0: So we've heard about resilience. We've heard about some success and some challenges. Sam, does your reading fit into any of those or what, what new can you add so far?
3: Um, so my book was the smallest out of all of them. It was, I think, maybe barely over a hundred pages. And it was called The Untitled Self. Um, it was written in, like, the 1940s or very early on in the 1900s. So it's not really, like, an up-to-date help book. But it's more just, like, advocating for people to um kind of, like, wake up and realize who they are as a person. It's very, like, it read a lot, like, 1984, if you've ever read that book, where it's very, like, it talks about the world in, like, a very, like, dark manner. And, like, it's very just very negative about the world like it's like trying to repress your individuality and um it also got it talked a lot about the church like about how you how people say like you find your own self through god but then you also find it by joining like a mass of other people all doing the same thing so it's kind of like a paradox in and and of itself but it's, it's titled a self-help book, but it wasn't really feeling like a self-help book. It felt more like it was a guy preaching at me for a hundred pages, just, like, telling me, like, I need to wake up and realize who I am and stop and, like being just another part, person in the masses. I didn't really, like, click with it all that much because, like, I know who I am. I don't think I'm being, like, repressed by society or anything. And it's also, like, from the guy who, like, was writing it, you know, a very you know rich white guy who had anything he ever wanted talking about like how society was like repressing him and his individuality. I'm like, you, you don't really have like the platform for that to like to build your ground on. And it just, the book, it was a well-written book. I see what the message they were trying to say, or he was trying to say, but the, um, the execution in my personal opinion was not executed as well as it could have been.
0: Uh, maybe we can return to some of this cause it's, a very well-known figure in psychology, Jung, who has these notions of archetypes and talks about consciousness and unconsciousness. So it may be that we can get to that, but it's making me think of one question, which it sounds like Sam, that book was operating under the enterprise of how do you define and understand yourself? What actually is the self? And it sounds like these other books are skipping ahead on that step and saying, do this, if you're having this kind of a problem or do this to achieve what you want or to bounce back from a tough situation, do this. And they've kind of just assumed that the self is something we already are comfortable with or we know. But I feel like the self is one of these terms in wellness that's more ambiguous, that maybe, you know, maybe there is work to be done to figure out what do I actually mean when I'm saying self.
1: Yeah. I think, I don't know why, but that just kind of brings to mind those, like, personality tests. People are always trying to figure out who they are and they want to identify with a group. And so they take these personality tests and they think they have their entire life figured out because some of them will, like, go through how you act in, like, relationships or, like, in professional environments. And I think it is just kind of an escape from, like, sitting with yourself like you're looking for a quick answer. I think the only way you can really know yourself is through self reflection and being by yourself. No one's gonna, there's no machine that's gonna be able to tell you who you are.
4: I mean, there's this idea that you're not like fixed things. So like if the personality test tells you, yeah, you're mm, a very sociable guy with whatever trait, uh, that may be attributed that that may be you with, especially in our ages, that may be you with 10 years, but five years later you're like very shy because something happened or just because you grew mm-hmm. you lost sociability, it's very difficult to like categorize something because maybe you're transitioning from some aspect to another one, so it's like very diffuse borders between personality traits.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest conversation that you can ever have with yourself is who am I and who do I want to be, and I've also been, like seen that people are a lot like electricity, they'll always take the path of least resistance. And people don't like to do things that require a lot of work, myself included. <laughs> My IDST is a perfect example of that. Um, people, like, there's personality quizzes, like, are you a Ravenclaw or whatever, and then that, they'll tell you your personalities mm-hmm. or whatever, but people often don't like to have that conversation because they don't know. And that's why a lot of these people read these books and the self-help things is because they don't know, and the thought of not knowing is scarier than actually knowing what you are, or what you want to be. So I think a lot of this thing stems back to what um, you were talking about earlier with how humans have defense mechanisms for fear. And it's all relating back to just how fear dictates every little decision we make because the thought of fear uh, makes us or influences our decisions.
2: Yeah, I think that's like, yeah, I think that's really like per. I don't know, it's like, perspective, I guess, because, like, I feel that also it's, like, reckoning with, like, negative aspects of yourself can be really difficult um, for a lot of people. I agree with you. Like, reading, like, people will like reach out to, like, self-help books or personality tests to find, what, like, what are these aspects of myself and how can I use them, like, positively?
1: See, I feel like people avoid trying to figure out who they are because they don't want to be uncomfortable with what they find. I think it's so easy to turn yourself into someone maybe you're not, but you want to be. And the realizations that come with reading a self-help book can be unsettling if you find something about yourself that you don't like. So I would on- honestly argue that people will do anything to avoid knowing who they truly are.
4: I mean, there's a letter sort of selective memory or mm-hmm. that equivalent problem, not se- exactly selective memory. So, like, the most... Mm, representative example is um, astrology and so on. So, like, when you read a description of personality, their gender is so vague and so, like, unclear. They have such a vocabulary that, like, everyone could fit there. And it kind of makes you feel good because you are... You're like everyone else.
2: Yeah, you're you're like like everyone else. You feel like, yeah, you're a part of society. You
4: feel identified. and, And you can kind of manipulate... All those words to make you seem as I said the person who you want to be right, and the person who you yeah. actually are so in that sense many people just I, I guess read self books to find the solution they want and even if in one chapter they say something good about them and the other 10 are something wrong they'll just remember the good one and just stay away yeah yeah this book said that I'm very that I'm going to be very successful in life and the other ones were like showing your weaknesses and so on and it's like I don't know try to like Be more aware of who you are and not who you want to be.
1: Yeah.
0: The level of effort and work that people put into shaping themselves, I think that is an open question. Like Katie, you're saying a lot of people probably don't want to pay attention to that because some aspects of it are unpleasant, but then often people will get into a place where they feel like they need to because they're just not comfortable with where they are in life or they're looking for some change and then maybe they reach out to these books but i'm interested in this kind of takeout menu approach that you're talking about une you said your book was actually constructed that way where you pick what is going to be useful to you and go with it and i guess uh would all of you say something about that do these books all kind of operate that way when you you're looking for a certain? tweak to your identity and and you grab that book or does the book have a you know one chapter that works one that doesn't well yeah i would say especially since wellness is like so broad like
2: one solution might not work for everybody i feel like most of these books are written to like a general audience so they'll give you like multiple solutions to the same problem and then like you'll pick i think like um like sam said like he'll pick the passively or whatever whatever solution takes the least amount of work or like the least amount of like um like self-reflection i feel like people will choose
4: I believe on the books that, like, generally, if you buy a book called uh, Why Do I Do That? Okay, in that specific case, it may be because you just want to reflect on yourself. But if you buy a book called The Way of Integrity, it's because you want to be more, um, you have more integrity. So, in essence, I think it's pretty straightforward that most people who buy those books find a weakness in their lives, and they want to
0: change that. Yeah. Back to the positive-negative aspects of self that people can focus on. It's almost like you can train a lens on one dimension or another dimension, and depending on where you are, that might happen almost organically in some ways. Um, Let me talk a little bit about this idea of, I want to say, overlap with other aspects of wellness. So when we did the analysis that you made dictionaries related to the self and you looked through these books and came up with terms that occur frequently in books that are associated with the self. And then we ran a bunch of other wellness books through the word frequency computational program. And it revealed that there was a lot of overlap. I think in your group, it was with relationship books. And with coaching books, uh, maybe the body books, the the books that were focused on the body came up a little bit. Can you talk a little bit more about that overlap or the way that your topic of the self connects with these other topics?
1: Mine was pretty even on all categories all the way through. I think um, it wasn't really focused on body. There were like exercises that were listed in the book. Um, That I think got translated to like body that just didn't exist. But pretty much all across the board, my book was even on like self and thriving and coaching and relationships. And I think it just speaks to the fact that all of those things like relationships and coaching, they deal with yourself. And when you work on yourself, you're working on those different parts of your life. Like, it's always going to be connected to other things. I don't think you can just stand alone in yourself and not analyze different parts of your life while you're looking at yourself.
3: I was talking with a professor earlier. Um, it's not about my book because my book doesn't really focus. My book mainly has a lot of, like, power aspects, which so it of doesn't really... It didn't, mine was kind of like an outlier when connecting to the other topics, but I was talking with um, you earlier um, I got broken up with yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah, no. That's, oh.
3: Yeah, um, eight months, you know, that type of stuff. But um, the, the thing that helped me realize was a lot about the self and relationships is that often you can lose your aspect of self in the relationship and with the idea of dependency and, what, and whatever that follows. But um, it's also about, you know, finding yourself in the relationship and what you do and this like this comes back more to the idea of like the self as in who do you define as like as an individual and a lot of these like relationships like as we've seen through the social media aspects or through our books or whatever people like companionship and they will often you know push themselves to great lengths for that companionship even if it's you know unhealthy or not good for that person that's what also i feel like these books do a great job of like with the coaching aspect as well about how to, you know, maintain yourself because at the end of the day, no matter, you know, who's there, you still always have yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also another – you were talking about resilience earlier, and I feel like that's another thing that the books do a good job of is, like, telling people, like, how to be resilient and how to, like, kind of land on your feet.
2: Yeah, I think that's – I think this book talks about um, a decent bit about, like, how people will try to, like, mold themselves into the person they want to be for, like, companionship, so –
0: That self other dynamic, I think is really important. So, you know, this idea of defining yourself seems like an inward movement. I'm going to figure out what my integrity is, what are my values, but there's always a kind of cross-referencing, I feel like with others, the, how you relate to others is going to continually inform how you view yourself. I mean, there's also the idea that like half of
4: your self is defining who you are when interacting with other people. So like you can't be kind if you're not aware of other people. Cause like yeah, maybe resilience in receiving grades or whatever is purely self. But in many other kinds, if you're um very team, team working person, rather than individual working, uh if you are again kind as opposed to not kind. <laughs> uh or social, whatever. Most of those are like other people. Like it's how you interact with other people. So like also yourself is defined by how you interact with other people. So it's it's like intrinsic to self, the other people.
0: Absolutely. And then the other thing that I've recognized from reading a lot of these books is people will talk about connection and relationships as one of the keys to wellness. So if you were so comfortable in yourself but you're completely isolated chances are you're gonna be having a hard time if you don't have connections in your life and and relationships with other people we've been talking about resilience a fair amount I thought I'd play a clip and maybe I can get your reaction to it it'll give us some some topics to think about uh, in terms of resilience
1: so number one resilient people get that shit happens they know that suffering is part of life. This doesn't mean they actually welcome it in, they're not actually delusional, just that when the tough times come, they seem to know that suffering is part of every human existence. And knowing this stops you from feeling discriminated against when the tough times come.
0: So that was Lucy Horn, she's a researcher who studies resilience, talking about tough times. One of the things that jumped out at me is at the end where she talks about how I'm not being discriminated against because something bad happened to me. I'm interested in that because I feel like people have a sense of fairness in life, that, um, things are supposed to happen to good people. Good things should happen, but life doesn't play out that way. So I don't know how that connects. I mean, it definitely links with resilience. Can you talk about how that overlaps with what you've been studying or with our concept of ourselves in some ways?
3: Yeah. Um, the idea of like the thing that really stuck with me from that, uh, t- uh little clip was, uh, people like things like, why does this happen to me? Like that, I, I struggled with that for a long time. when like, a, like a string of bad things would happen is like, and that was also like kind of like phasing out of the church too. And my church group I was like, why does God do this to me type of deal? I've come to realize that, you know, shit hits the fan sometimes. And life just, you know, it doesn't always work out. Like this week, you know, not been the greatest. Lost my AirPods. Got broken up with. Someone stole my laundry. Oh my god. All of it? Yeah. Oh.
1: No way.
3: And, but at the end of the day, I know it's not like the universe just like, you know, singling me out or something like that. It just, it stuff happens and, you know... If, you know, if you went to, when you hit rock bottom, you can only go up. And as long as people have that mindset, you know, you can get through anything.
2: Yeah, I also think it's, like, an important part of, like, the, like, when the clip talks about, like, the common humanity thing. Like, you're not the first person that, for this to happen to. And, like, other people have, like, gone through this and been perfectly fine in their lives. So I think it's important part to, like, relate yourself to other people in that sense. And also, like, I also think that's, like, what Una has talked about, too. Like, the self is inseparable from the other. Like, other, like other people are going to impact how you feel about yourself.
0: Are there some resilient strategies that you have encountered? I mean, do you mean like coping mechanisms or just like... Yeah, tactics, things you might turn to when you're in these situations.
2: I just like maybe I go like exercise a little bit or like, uh, yeah, I think that's like what I do. If I'm like mad about something or something. I think this was right in the book. Yeah. Um,
4: so he made a comparison of uh, people with an iceberg. So like we all know that on in Instagram, for example, yes, but typical one people don't show the ho- their whole life, they only show the good part. So it's basically, he basically compared it with an iceberg, you know, and he's only seen one part, and it's not evenly distributed. So, like, it's not like you see some of the good things some of the parts, no. You see all the good things, but then there's also be a very big bad parts think, that happen to people, because, again, shit happens. Uh, and, like, that's it. So, like, you have to be aware people are an iceberg, and the more you know someone probably the more you discover an iceberg. So like, generally, you know when your friends are going through shit, but not when other people, like your classmate that sits in the other edge of the room, you only know maybe one day then, hmm, he comes happy because he got an A. Uh, so the more you know people, you have to be aware that the more you know them, the more you see the iceberg. So like everyone has an iceberg, it's just you don't see it. Be aware of that.
0: Yeah, that sense of fairness, I think, um, is important to dial back a little bit because it is true that there's going to be suffering in life. It's kind of connects with this notion of um, of Buddhism or some of the spirituality aspects of, of wellness. If it was all just uh, rainbows and butterflies, none of these books would even exist in the first place probably. So you're going to be participating in some of the same challenges that everyone participates in. One strategy I've, um, encountered is to go back in time and look at obstacles that you've overcome in the past and the ways that you've been able to kind of successfully navigate challenges. And you recognize if I've been able to do that before, the chances that I'm able to do that again are pretty, pretty strong. So you can go with that. And then Nicholas, I like your recommendation of, you know, movement. These are the wellness strategies that come up all the time, whether, you know, you're in a particular problem that's precisely labeled it just happened today I need to get out and run or something it's a good thing to turn to in in any situation as are the relationships and the connections I think as well if you're having a lot of trouble is there someone you can connect with Is, is a good strategy as well
1: yeah I always if I'm in like a rut or there it feels like something is just going wrong and I can't fix it I I try and focus on the things that I can control um, whether that makes me a control freak or not I don't know but I find when I can can accomplish something and do something and take control of something it makes me feel better it puts things in perspective like they like my whole life isn't going wrong like there are things I can do right um, and it may when I can do something productive it just puts the bad situation into perspective and makes it feel a little smaller
0: so let's go back to, um, Sam was talking about the book by Jung, and one of the aspects of the psychology that Jung puts together is this notion that you have a conscious sense of yourself, and then there's an unconscious self that you don't really pay attention to that much, but it kind of they overlap or bubble up sometimes. And then he has what he calls a collective unconscious, which is something that is almost like an inherited and also a cultural sort of sense of who you are. So in what way are our identities and ourselves shaped by these larger cultural constructs or maybe a, a, almost like a genealogy, a history that we come from? Who, how, how do we get to be this self that we are in terms of these larger societal and, and maybe historical aspects of us? Um,
2: I would say, well, I think that, like, there's a lot of different, like, structures that definitely can impact who you are. I think, like, the family is one that's really important, like, what your parents teach you. Um, that's important to who you are. Uh, I think religion can impact who you are as a person and I see the world. Um, and in terms of culture, like, the community, even just, like, the local community you grew up in and who you're yourself with as, like, a child and as you grew up in middle school and high school, like, who you're yourself with I think can impact, like, your decision-making.
3: The idea... Cause there's definitely like
2: two, like
3: two versions of me. There's a version that like, you know, is very social and like likes to be around people and likes to go out and do things. And there's like the other side. I'm just like, I hate people and I want to stay in my room and just (laughs) be by myself. And it's just, you know, it's like, you have two different faith. There's like some Japanese saying or like proverb or whatever. Or it's like you have like three faces for the world, it's like one the world sees, one that like your friends see, and then one that only you see. It's only a real thing that, you know, there are different versions of yourself that you show, and that well, like what you think of yourself is not the same thing that, you know, what the world sees of you or what your friends see about you. It's because everyone's perspective is different and no one is ever the same, so it's, no one will ever see the person or a person the same.
4: I remember about that um, discussion that I had, so like some friend was saying, so, with related to alcohol, so when you drink, you're, like, um, you say the truth.
1: Drunk words like are d- sober words. Or, <laughs>
4: drunk, yeah. drunk words are sober words. Drunk words are sober Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you basically find when you drink, you are your true you. I can see why that is true, but also, I feel like the boundaries you may set on what you say and what you don't say, your filters, your whatever, are also somehow part of yourself. It's, so like, those barriers you build between... What the world see, what the world sees, what your friends see, and what you only see. Those boundaries, those filters you put, that second life, to some extent, is also part of yourself. So like, it's not that you just have a life and you show less to your friends and even less to the world. It's just that they are kind of different lives. So like you live how you want, but it's not that one of the lives is purer than the other one or whatever. It's just differences.
1: I've never thought of it like that. Like the barriers and the filters that you have are actually a part of yourself. You're not hiding anything. Maybe you're being selective with what you share, but... I
0: like this. And we've been talking about metaphors a lot as we study wellness. And I think maybe we could see if we can generate one. The idea that you have a core self and then you have an outer self or you have multiple selves that you show i think that holds true everybody is different depending on the context and also depending on the moment and as you go through life you're going to be a different person than you were 20 years ago you know i'm wondering what the what the metaphor might be i'm thinking of uh, like an onion where there's different layers and you know but that's not exactly the right metaphor i'm also thinking of up and down metaphors Jung has this idea that you have your ego which is this conscious self that's kind of up at the top and people see it or you're really, that's who you think you are. But then underneath there's these other aspects of self. So there's a spatial down below. Maybe the iceberg is, is one of these metaphors as well. Can you think, what, what, what other metaphors might, might we put together to describe this?
3: Maybe like an outfit? Yeah, like I, cause I don't act the same way around my parents that I do my friends. That's definitely for sure. And it's just it's like the uh, this the thing that you need to show or the thing that the or the clothes you put on fit the occasion that you're in. I'm not gonna curse in front of my parents and I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna use like yes, ma'am and no sir to my friends. and it's it's like I've, I see like the different clothes you put on is like the different types of like characteristics that you show around different people.
0: I like that. that that seems like a pretty useful one. And also maybe trying to develop
4: that better, so like you can show some things, but generally you cannot hide your height or your color face, Maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, there's some things that you can't hide that just define yourself, but then also you can't put your clothes.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, I wonder if acting metaphors are like uh, characters in a in a play or a movie or something could also be a way of describing the way we act in certain situations and not in others. Fantastic. Well, um, are there any last thoughts? What else do we need to know about what you've been studying or about these aspects of the self?
1: Um, I guess in my book, the author was really adamant about trying not to put yourself in a box. When he was going through the groups, he said, like, it's really likely that you're going to find a sentence or two within each group that you identify with. And that's okay. Like the goal is not to just define yourself in five sentences like try and find something that you can identify with most but that doesn't define who you are it's just helpful for the exercise moving forward to pick a group but he said like be really careful about putting yourself in a box and putting limitations on who you are so yeah you can be multiple different things
0: Well, thank you. That was a really enjoyable conversation. Um, uh, Sam, Unai, Nicholas, Katie, I really appreciate the insights into the self. For our listeners, uh, remember that you're not just one thing. As Katie says, don't put yourself into a box um, and understand that these concepts of the the self are going to come into play uh, in good times and bad times. If you're struggling, these uh, lessons in resilience and how your self responds to those are going to be important. And then as you try to... um, Uh, as they say, be your best self in life, you're going to be able to use these strategies as well. So I appreciate all of your listening and uh, tune in for another episode soon.